Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake, and you will rise or fall based on whether or not you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love. Philippians 1, 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I wanna to speak to all of you today about some of you. Virtually all of you will be affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ this week at Passion. But some of you will not just be affected. You will be infected, thrown, ruined for the lesser life of owning your own life. Some of you will never recover. For some of you, passion will completely wreak havoc with your plans, totally confuse you regarding your future, turn upside down what you thought would make you happy. Many of you will get to leave passion with it having cost you only the price of your ticket, your travel, your lodging, and your food. But for some of you, the cost will be far higher. It will cost you some of your relationships. It will cost you some of your comforts, some of your secrets, some stuff you really love and a whole lot of stuff you really crave for something, the one thing you might find you crave even more. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There's so much mystery to this whole thing, so much I don't know, so much I cannot tell you, but there are a few things I think I can tell you that you might expect in your journey. Here's what I think you might expect. You might expect that you are going to be so tempted to lock down exactly what God is calling you to do. You'll want to say, he has called me to pastor. He has called me to speak. No, he's called me to write. No, he, he's called me to the mission field. He's called me to be an activist. He's called me to be a CEO of a nonprofit. You'll be so tempted to lock it down, to be a worship leader, because there's some security in thinking you know how the thing is gonna go. You're gonna wanna lock it down and give it some definition. Give the thing a name, at least that way, people will not think you are entirely 
out of your ever-loving mind. And sometimes that does happen. But for most of us, and certainly for that original band of fishermen on the shores of Galilee, what he's calling you to do is just simply follow him. Whatever that means today, and then whatever it means in six months, and then whatever it means this time next year, that you have not defined it by a name except to know that you are His. Would you have the courage not to need a name of something you call it, but to give yourself to a life utterly led by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God on this globe in a generation with souls of feet that have never touched this planet before. Will you need more control than that? Or will you be willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of the living God? Some of you will carry the gospel in vocations and lines of work, technology and creativity that do not even exist yet. Others of you will be called into lines of work that if you knew in advance, you would run from like a scared rabbit. You can probably expect this, that you will look for shortcuts to long-term effectiveness and faithfulness. And I'm just gonna save you some trouble because you will not find any shortcuts. You have what it takes everything it takes right now to meet your natural potential, but you do not have what it takes to fulfill your calling in Jesus Christ. He alone can fulfill your calling and he does it by way of his Holy Spirit through you. You will look and not find a formula for the anointing of God. Oh, you will so hope you can, you will even think from time to time, you found it and as sure as you are certain of it, it will slip right through your fingers. You will suffer and your suffering will rarely be romantic and you will seldom be as good at it as you hoped. And you will suffer not only because such is as common to man, but sometimes as a direct result of your obedience to Jesus. In the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 1, for this gospel I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher. Because of this, in fact, because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed for I know the one in whom I have placed my trust. You will be hurt. Jesus will teach you forgiveness, not only by your being forgiven, but by you forgiving others for what at times you will feel is understandably unforgivable. And often the ones that you are faced with forgiving will not be sorry, nor will they care one whit that you are hurt. 
for there is fellowship in the sufferings of Christ in that place that few of his intimates will be allowed to miss. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they have done. You can expect in advance to be betrayed. The kind so fundamental, so deep, you'll feel like you can never get over it. Someone who stood with you, someone who loved you, someone who'd done life with you, someone who knew your secrets, then told some of your secrets. The person you thought you could trust, the last person you expected to turn on you. For many of us, it will not be the sins of others we find hardest to overcome. It will be our own. Some of you, like me, will do some stupid things. You'll promise God you won't, but you will. And then you'll be left to grapple with what you are supposed to do now with what is left. And in one way or another, and sooner or later, Jesus will see to it that we cannot take one iota of credit for our own callings. As Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, he is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our works, but on his own grace and purpose granted to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The Holy Spirit will systematically go about hammering one nail after another into your self-destructive, self-obsessed, self-loathing, self-adoring flesh, and you will try like mad when that thing starts to die to give it CPR until you realize that that old you is killing you. And the sooner it's stone cold dead in the grave, the better. You will learn there is a darkness so black, it's blinding, snaring, binding, so brilliant and scheming that it's alluring and seducing, appealing, appalling, scalding, blistering, ice cold and terrifying. Never forget that your enemy, the devil, is out for one thing more than any other, and it is not your reputation, it is not your ministry, it is not your home, your marriage, your church, your job, your health, your dignity, or even your child. Any of those things he targets would be the means to a much more important goal. He is after your faith. Take this one down to the marrow of your bones. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is our faith God reckons as righteousness. It is the shield of faith that extinguishes all the fiery darts of the evil one. In God's wisdom and sovereignty, he has chosen to enforce faith to such a degree that Jesus himself said, according to your faith, it shall be done to you. You'll be tempted to give up your faith because you put yourself out there and got let down or perceived somehow that it didn't work. Maybe you even feel like faith made a fool out of you and you'll be put off by it because you can't control the outcome or figure out the formula. It places you at too much risk. So you'll just try to live rightly and forget faith. Righteousness without the risk. Every generation of Jesus followers faces cultural challenges that will make or break its witness. 
At this moment in time, I believe that there are two that loom large over you. The first is pure distraction. Your lives will go by in a flash and then you will stand before the enormity and holiness and glory of God. And the essence of insanity will be to have missed the Son of God over social media. The second is this, you will watch a generation of Christians of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. And this will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake, and you will rise or fall based on whether or not you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? Second John verse six, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. From a distance, you may see successes up here, but close up, you would see our scars. We each bear the marks. No one still has an undivided heart and single-minded devotion to Jesus for decades without bearing the marks of bond servants. You will be tempted to think that fulfilling your calling is all about stewarding your gifting, but it will be far more often about your pure grit, your pure tenacity to get back up after you've been knocked down over and over and over and over again. Your willingness to stand and withstand. There's this gorgeous moment in the 14th chapter of Acts that says, and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city thinking that he was dead. But after his disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went right back into the city. There was a young man, in all likelihood, right there in that crowd of Christ's followers that gathered around Paul because he was in Lystra, a young man that Paul would have joined the team just a few chapters later named Timothy, that's us. We're the Paul generation this week. You are the Timothys. And imagine Timothy looking down at that body, beaten what they believed to be to death and thinking, I wanna make sure I never do anything like that. Until that body twitched. And until he watched a man sit back up, come to his feet and walk right back into that city and preach the gospel. It was not a creed that brought them back to their feet, nor will it be a creed for you. No cause will be worth what you might 
online, let this cost you no commitment, no calling, no commandment, no crowd, no amount of character, no amount of accolade. There is one thing that will make this worth it to you. One thing and one thing alone, and that is Jesus Christ himself. He himself is the prize. To know Jesus, the love that sears through your heart like a flaming sword, the sacred romance of all eternity, the partner in the divine dance, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. I kind of think this is how the race goes, that today if some of you really receive the call of God upon your life, you start just running with all your youth and, and with all that, that, that muscular definition and, and then it starts to tumble a little bit and you get a little bit slower and, and then you get knocked down, thrown down and beaten up and you get back up and then you go back to the ground in a crisis of faith and you wrestle with God on the ground trying to think what does this look like on the other side? And then you walk so much of your life with a limp because that's how the thing goes in the long term. Only I have to wonder if when we're on our way home and we're passing from this life to the next, if maybe as we're just like limping toward that finish line because we've been in it a long time, and we've been through a lot and it costs a lot, but we just get this little glimpse of Jesus. We finally, that veil is no longer there and we get this glimpse, the real life Jesus right there before us, right there before us. And I have to wonder if we will run full speed, muscles of definition back in our legs with everything we have, running straight toward him going, worth it, worth it, worth it, everything about you was worth it. I'm talking today to all of you about some of you. That's the natural pattern. That's what we've always seen. And we've always been glad for those some. See, I, I'm not convinced you want it as easy as you act like you do. Because I think the existential crisis of every generation of humanity is to find something to live for that's worth dying for, something holy, good, and all glorious. And here's what I think, that maybe according to Acts chapter four, where they gathered to pray for Peter and John, that they'd have boldness of the Holy Spirit and what they'd been called to do. But a miracle happened that day in Acts chapter four, a miracle. They were only praying really for the two, but the whole house shook and all of them, it says, check it out for yourself, began to speak the word boldly. It's a strange thing. that what probably will happen for some actually could happen for all. And, and here's it. There's a name for phenomenon when what we only expect to happen to some by some miracle of God happens to all. And it's called an awakening. You don't have to take it. Nobody will force it on you. But I promise you, by the authority of the Word of God and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, this beloved 
is the life you were born for.